0: All right, what's going on? Sean, Adrian, you guys here? Yes, I am. All right, cool. So this is the uh, Curse Discussions podcast, at least that's what we're calling it right now. My name is Chucky Arla, so with me are Adrian Shepard, Sean Last. Today we're going to be discussing... Donald J. Trump. So (laughs) what do you guys think about... uh, blump how do you guys think uh he will be seen first of all before we talk about what we personally think about blump in terms of how good or bad he was relative to other presidents how do you think that he will be seen historically by normies essentially like in the future well i think that
1: so the first thing that comes to mind there is that that's going to depend i mean it'll depend on many things but one of the things that's going to depend upon is the uh, like the trajectory of immigration politics in the united states i think because he is a that's probably that and trade both of which are sort of nativist populist things are the ways in which he is a departure the biggest ways in which he's a departure from traditional republicanism and so if that continues to be something that grows in the republican party then i think historically he'll be seen as a pivot point for the republicans if on the other hand right they just sort of recede back into john mccainism or george bush ism or something like that or something new it's not either of those things ted cruzism then then he'll probably be seen as a weirdo uh, and probably not looked at very favorably i would imagine
0: women will see him as a pedophile would you say
1: uh that is one way of expressing that sure just (laughs) grab him by the
2: pussy oh yeah i mean he wants to grab so actually uh if i could just build on that um i think sean has a good point it definitely depends on future generations, obviously, as, you know, all legacies do, but another thing to keep in mind about the, the immigration uh, policy in respect to his legacy, if, as, you know, may or may not happen, the U.S. becomes majority non-white or, you know, super majority non-white, I think he'll definitely be seen as a villain of history. And, you know, this, this could happen in a couple decades. I figure, The Republican Party will probably jettison Donald Trump even if um, other later Republican candidates and politicians use his nativist anti-immigration rhetoric. They'll probably jettison him at the point where it is basically politically inconceivable to uh, want to reduce immigration. So... I think it is extremely contingent in that case on the future of the U.S. in a couple of decades, 2030, 2040, 2050.
0: Whereas like, so if Ben Garrison became you know president in 2020, then Trump would be looked at as like a moderate who wasn't quite there. <laughs> a cut, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think there are two comments I have about that. One is that even if, the U.S. becomes majority non-white, it, it could be the case that he's viewed in a very polarized way, uh, which I guess he is now already, but even more so where the white people see him as someone who tried to stop uh, you know, it from happening, uh, whereas uh, the non-white people obviously wouldn't. But also it's worth mentioning that if he's viewed as someone who opposes Hispanic immigration and, and, and sort of give power to that trend in the United States, a funny thing could happen Whereby Say that say with that one possibility, whites in the future formed a coalition with Asians because they had similar socioeconomic interests. And both groups really didn't like Hispanic immigrants. That hmm. could lead to a, uh, a funny perception of him where like Asians and white people would view him favorably. And Hispanics and black people uh, would be quite upset by him in retrospect. Well, yeah,
2: Asians already like Trump. Uh, Donald uh, Trump. Well, I don't know about that. But, uh, well... I mean, they didn't vote for him. They're... Uh, that's true. Although, to be fair, like, most... Well, that's most kind of a weird
0: thing, right? Like, if I remember looking at the Pew stuff, um, you know, you can break down, like, different Asian groups how they voted, and, like, um... You know, normally, I think the Hmong people are, like, super Republican. They might have been a little bit less. Here, actually, I'm gonna look that up. Uh Do you guys know what I'm talking about, the stats on that?
1: Yeah, The, uh... The Vietnamese traditionally vote Republican, but I believe they did not vote for Trump, if I remember correctly, which yeah. is abnormal. Uh, especially uh, that since ethnic you know, group?
2: they didn't uh, mass murder them like John McCain.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he uh, yeah, but... specifically went out of his way to avoid mass murdering them because he's a draft dodger. Exactly. Then, he's but... a hero. Yeah, you know, well, that's what's kind of weird is that boomers didn't really see him as a Muslim because of that. that...
2: That was wild. Like people, yeah. That was one of the like very strange parts of the presidential campaign of twenty sixteen. People literally thought that's the end. That's you know, oh, it was funny that Trump ran, but yeah, this is where he went too oh, far. you think
0: people thought it was the end when he was exposed? To I I, I remember
2: very clearly several talking
1: heads saying that. Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah, a lot of low IQ talking heads.
0: Well, the talking heads, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the, the biggest thing, I mean, I think this shouldn't be too controversial to say, is that, like, it was the grab them by the pussy thing, right? I mean, that was certainly, I mean, okay, that Especially was very because, like, late. you know, like Christ fags, right?
2: No, yeah, I, I, I get, I That's mean. That's a big
0: so- deal for them. Certainly, that was a big deal, or it was,
2: you know, supposed to have been a big deal.
0: I almost but... feel like this this could be a turning point in terms of like the secularization of uh, the Republican Party, the secularization of conservatism, or I don't even know if you could call it conservatism anymore, but just whatever. Not the left, the you know.
1: I mean, I would almost conceptualize that well, this is a turning point, so much as a we are seeing the end of that awkward, and I would describe it as negative period. In which evangelicals sort of captured a huge part of the republican party
2: i think I think it should be said though, no republican sins God you'd have to go really far back i i can't even I can't even think off the top of my head of someone who was a real devout Christian who maybe Bob dole. But um, probably
0: not. Well, didn't Bush have that whole thing where he was like, you know, he was degenerate, and then he found the light or whatever. He he had a
2: good narrative, but it was so obvious. Oh yeah, I don't think there was a real... like a like a. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you you did have religious zealots in American politics before William Jennings Bryan, for example. But the Republican Party has like played it with like these slimy. Like oh, I would say Jimmy Carter was probably, I mean, you know, to start with the Jimmy Carter shilling, but he was probably more of a devout Christian than any Republican uh, president since him.
0: And it's like
2: so jarring and it's so obvious. Well, wait a
0: minute. Are you talking about in terms of how he presented or in terms of like what he really believed? Both, both, both. I mean,
2: he he was very earnestly and openly Christian in a way. I don't think anyone, would, like, Reagan may have presented very strongly as one, but it was so obvious, like, this guy was from fucking California, he, no, he was from so, California,
0: like, he was, like, he, he was a like,
1: California fucking, in an anti-traditionalist way, right? Like, if I remember correctly, he was the first state governor to pass no-fault divorce.
0: California values. Yeah, exactly, California
1: values,
2: exactly. Like, obviously, I would say probably Ted Cruz, um is the last hurrah or maybe the last hurrah of like real conservatives having like a real chance at the white house or like a uh, real really the real religious right putting someone who represented them in the white house. I mean, we'll, we'll see for 2020, but like, I think, I think, well, obviously uh, not in 2020 because
1: Kentucky... that's going to be Trump for the Republicans in 2020. Uh, uh, no,
0: because Blump yeah, is going to be remains... impeached because like uh, a Russian poor oh like peed on him or something.
2: <laughs> I mean, okay, to be fair, a, uh, a president can be primaries and has been before. So, that's not you know, going to
0: happen. Yeah, John the only Kasich, case. the mailman.
1: Although <laughs> if Trump was impeached, then it would be Pence, and he is quite evangelical.
2: Uh, so, that's uh, true, although he do, he's very strange, isn't he? Yes, just uh, in general. He's a quote-unquote <laughs> quote evangelical Catholic. Uh.
0: Yeah. That's, because, I, Marco yeah, we, Rubio we, we, was kind of similar. He had that little clash of identity there, right, where he was like, I think he, he went to like mass, Catholic mass on Sunday and like went to some Protestant church on like Saturday or something.
2: That just means he's double Christian, okay? Exactly.
0: So anyway, so, so these are I, I think we kind of drifted away from what you we were talking about. They were talking about how, you know, history might view Drumpf. But Regardless of that, like let's talk about our own opinions of uh, of Trump and how he might compare with other presidents. Um, and I and I have something to say about this here because I think that there's a particular way that one should go about like ranking presidents and and dec- and, and political leaders in general. Obviously, this would apply outside of America as well. Um, and I think that. When people, like, talk about, like, oh, this is something libertarians are guilty of all the time. Like, they'll say oh, Obama's the worst president ever because the deficit has increased by, you know, X x much, right? But that doesn't take into account the fact that, you know, libertarian standards, the government in general, the state, and, and of course, the presidency as an instrument of the state, um, becomes worse and worse over time. So I, I think... How you should rank a president should be basically relative to both, like, the immediate alternative in the sense of who they were running against, both in the general election and the primaries, and then also their predecessor and their successor. In some ways, I think we can't quite judge Trump uh, yet. And, And, of course, there's other reasons why we wouldn't want to yet either, but...
1: Yeah, but so far, I think he's been a pretty uh, good president. Best one a good while.
0: So why do you like that? Why do you like him?
1: Well, you got the uh, tax bill that was just passed. That's good. Um, Included in that was the end of the individual mandate for health care, and he got rid of some of the state line stuff with health care, and that's good. You've seen a decrease in the – I think you've actually seen a, a decrease in the number of regulations, not just a stagnation of the growth, which is what you saw under Reagan. Um, there have been more people assigned to ICE. You see fewer people crossing the border, and that's good. He has continued the... I mean, he, he has continued his campaign work in terms of igniting this culture war against the media, uh, and that's very exciting. And he hasn't started uh, a war, and that's cool. So, I mean, those seem like good reasons. He's. All, I mean, he's also made... Shit, Lib's like outrageously mad. He's trolled Lib towards basis, Epic
0: style. And that's funny. <laughs> yes, exactly. He so stole that, my thing. There's a few. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> were you going to say that? It was. Go ahead, though. Okay. So, what I was going to say is, in terms of the regulations, at least, I think that that actually is something that's kind of interesting. I, he had that policy, right? Where in order to pass a regulation, you had to repeal two, if I'm remembering that correctly. That's right. Um, like that certainly as a libertarian to me that's very exciting but i'm not sure you know whether that actually did something in practice basically because as i understand it like they can just write a regulation that just covers the two things that they had to repeal and then add something else right like is there any rule on like what what how do you define one regulation
2: Yeah, it's a very childlike way of doing it, to be honest. (laughs) Like, just say, like, don't make new
1: regulations. That is a potential concern. Uh, We need to look into how that worked out. Although I will say that there was a report in December that I saw that supposedly the margin had actually been much greater than that. That every new regulation, it had been, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like over 10 regulations that were removed. Yeah. which, I mean, maybe what's happening is in every regulation, now they're packing in 12 times as much stuff, right? Maybe, uh, but...
2: Or or something else could be on the regulatory side or on the, whatever, the executive side, they could be reviewing regulations. And then also on legislative, they're operating under that rule. Yeah. So I don't
0: know. Honestly, I'm not really sure what empirical metric we should even use to... Judge yeah this,
2: like is, this is this yeah this is kind of annoying like if we could just look at like if we could just run a calculator on the savings i mean some 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 people have done an analysis of uh stuff like that i know breitbart has run some stories about that uh throughout you know of dubious uh you know whatever credibility okay, but
0: that's the problem with this though like at least with you know, something like overall tax burden, at least that's qualitative. But this, or that's quantitative rather, but all this stuff is just qualitative and it's kind of hard to weigh it against other things. But I mean, I I think it's safe to say that um, if it made any difference at all, it probably did something good. Uh, You know, however hard it may be to qualify exactly how good it was. That's probably true. Can I go on my... My yes, spiel go on, on your Trump spiel. is actually you fucking
2: spiel. dumb and should be killed. Okay. Okay, so. Um, Sounds pretty gay. Yeah, okay, Sean. Uh, lay 3D chess. Okay, so I am someone who supported Trump very early on and only basically jumped ship during his appointment of the cabinet. So I feel like someone who, like, shilled for him thick and thin. Like, it, at this point, it's basically impossible to claim this guy is, like, a net good for libertarianism. Now, that's not saying that his repeal of regulations aren't good and the tax bill wasn't good relative to what we had before. But the kind of policies as a Republican president that Trump has fielded things like tariff increases, things like gun control, things like, I mean, on, this isn't just a policy or a proposal, intensifying the war on terror in the Middle East and also West Africa opening out of the front, antagonizing North Korea and potentially going to war with them. That, that's something that it's tabled, not certain, but, you know, we are in more conflicts in the third world than we were under obama we're bombing more people than we were under obama we're spending more not necessarily under obama as like gross but we're up from obama's like the last term of obama which makes boomers happy but doesn't make you know me happy and doesn't shouldn't make people who have to pay for that shit happy
0: more well, I mean, Trump kept his promise to like keep the government out of their social security. Yeah, exactly. Keep the government.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Highest spending government in history.
0: But to be fair, in, that, like, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, right, is that this is something I read in Rothbard's critique of Ronald Reagan, right, when he was talking about, um, what was it, the myth of Reaganomics, right? So yep. he didn't like the idea of comparing, uh, I think it was debt, national debt to GDP. But I'm not sure that I agree with Rothbard in that case. Like, I I, I think that...
2: Uh, I mean, okay, that that's sort of... I mean, you know how it, Austrian, sort of Rothbard in particular, have a hang-up about uh,
0: GDP, right? Well, okay, but it wasn't just... Yes, that's true, but he was even using, like, GNP or, or whatever he was whatever. using to circumvent that. That's not the particular thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about just... Uh, like the general idea of government spending growing going up over time, and it being kind of trivial to say, like with every new government, okay, this president has spent the most that any president has ever spent. Well, yes, that's true, but that's just kind of how things are now, and I don't like it. I wish we could reverse it, but I don't. Yeah, think and, it, and it by makes by sense. the way,
2: it didn't used to be that way. You know that, right?
0: I, I know, I know.
2: Okay, it is something yeah. to say. Like I'm it, like, okay. So you have this giant populist wave. We're gonna drain the swamp and get government under control. You would at least expect the stagnation of the spending, though, right? Like, okay, I, it's very disappointing. I I, mean, I didn't expect. I know. I know. I know- had no high hope of this uh, big, whatever, reduction in federal spending. And I swear. Oh, you I said my name now. We're going to have to bleep
0: that out when I edit this. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> and funny? I do I think, my name. To some name, extent, I, I didn't either. What? I'm sorry? Do you remember my name?
2: <laughs> Chucky. Okay. That's right. God, that's gay. You should have just gone with Yeah. Time. All right. Yeah,
1: I would say, good, so, so to get back on the actual topic, though. <laughs> so I think that. Yeah, it would be weird if we expected Trump to decrease government spending by a lot because he didn't run a Republican campaign based on slashing foreign policy spending, military uh, welfare spending. Oh,
2: prosperity. oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But, Can I just butt in here? But, what, when,
1: when are the good he things?
2: <laughs> One of the good things I will say about Trump is that he does seem to be leaning towards cutting more foreign aid spending, which is very good. And he's already done it with the U.N., and with Pakistan. So that is good. That's a very libertarian thing.
1: But I think we need to, when talking about his economic impact, and we're faced with these two things, where he lowered taxes, and that's good, and he's increased the deficit, and that's arguably not good. But the empirical literature on those two things don't look the same, right? Because there is a consistent finding that lower taxes longitudinally are associated with, uh, you know, after taxes are lowered, growth increases. The empirical relationship between Uh, debt and economic growth is extremely inconsistent. And I think it's fairly safe to say that the U.S. government, our current level of debt does does not seem to be a strong empirical case for the idea that that's inhibiting our growth rate in any significant way.
0: Deficits don't matter. They're worth less than fecal matter.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, they don't. I mean, they matter in certain circumstances, which is when the people funding the debt lose faith in some respect, but there's no – Serious sign of that happening in the case of the United States. Uh, well, but we got respect.
0: downgraded to AA.
1: Yeah, My and then like, everything's so fine. So the
2: because that problem. actually matters to foreign investors.
1: So that, you, a, a comparison that Paul Krugman, everyone's favorite economist, makes a lot is that the current U.S. debt-to-GDP ratio is similar to what the British Empire had for like 70 years of its existence. Uh, and, of course, just you know, the the actual more rigorous empirical studies on this – tend to find that you have to get to a very high threshold of debt to GDP ratio before there starts to become a negative relationship between that and growth. So I think that if we have these two things, the lower end of the taxes, but the increase in the debt, we have to look at that on net as a positive thing economically.
0: Oh, I mean, I would certainly agree. I would prefer lower taxes, even if that meant an increased deficit and increased debt, both just in terms of from a utilitarian view. Uh, I don't think it'll inhibit growth for those empirical reasons that you mentioned. And then also even from like you know trying to be a libertarian purist about it I I would say that uh it's preferable that we don't steal more from people because uh you know taxation is theft even if that means like the government the state is going to go into debt Yes now in terms of
1: the foreign policy thing I think it's it's difficult to judge because well he he definitely hasn't started any wars obviously uh, yet He's done. He's there's been an increase in activities, as you mentioned, Adrian, in, in certain parts of the world. But it's unclear yet if those are going to have the same negative uh, consequences as did the you know interventions that the previous recent presidents uh, carried out. Yeah,
2: yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, he is better than Bush in foreign policy, and he probably won't be worse than Bush. And so far, he's better than Obama in policy. And he may be worse than
0: Obama, but maybe it's not that much more. Well, see, here's the thing Here's the <laughs> thing about that, right, is that Trump is a high-variance candidate. That's something that we need to acknowledge here when we're talking about this. Because, because candidates like Bush and Obama, presidents like Bush and Obama, right, they had an actual doctrine they were following, which was neoconservatism, roughly. And that involved a lot of, like... Long term, small scale interventions in third world countries, you know, eternally chasing down some terrorist or, or whatever they want to call it, uh, insurgents, etc., etc., forever. Like, it, it, it's kind of funny, you know, we don't have wars anymore. We just have operations, endless and endless operations. So that's fine. And Trump shifted the paradigm a bit because he has no doctrine. He just kind of does whatever basically right like he he sent those uh cruise missiles or what were they tomahawks whatever they were against yeah they Assad. were cruise yeah tomahawk cruise That's the same thing um <laughs> okay some far. military fucking autiste is gonna roast me if they ever listen to this <laughs> yeah fucking stretch yeah, <laughs> okay anyway um so yeah so he might do that one day when he feels like it or when his like advisor tells him to, Uh, and then when a different advisor tells him something different, he'll behave differently, right? Like, we've sent the fleet to, like, intimidate and antagonize North Korea. That could escalate, right? That's an important thing to say, is that I think that because Trump is not following the standard neocon doctrine, and not following any doctrine, in fact, he has a lower chance of doing the everyday bad shit that uh, people like Bush and Obama would do. But he has a higher chance of doing really bad shit that Bush and Obama would not do, such as invading North Korea. Yeah, I
1: agree with that. Now, one interesting question, though, is whether or not he would have a higher probability of doing really bad shit that Hillary Clinton would do. And this is going to depend on how seriously you take her anti-Russia rhetoric. Right. Because obviously, if Hillary Clinton did the things she said she was going to do and they played out in the bad way that would be much worse than going to North Korea.
0: Are you talking about the no-fly zone over Syria?
1: Yeah, if we actually, like, if now, we don't know that this would play out this way, but if we did that and the Russians came there and we shot down a bunch of Russian airplanes and, I like, committed an act of aggressive war against Russians, uh, that would obviously have been a, roughly the worst foreign policy thing the United States could do.
0: Uh, yeah, that very well could have happened. Although... I, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I I tend to think that Russia and the US probably Yeah, that
1: seems unlikely because yeah. if we had done that, Russia presumably would have stopped sending planes there. Yes. It, it it likely would have been Yeah,
2: like rationally,
1: we probably but wouldn't have gone to nuclear We are war. comparing this probability to the probability of Trump actually doing something in North Korea. And that's very hard to to get a hold of as well because we're mainly basing this off of things he says and Trump is a notoriously dishonest person, right, who has a lot of bluster. So I don't know, it's a very ambiguous uh, amb- ambiguous uh, probability, the actual chance that he's going to do something in North Korea. Well, I
0: think part of what makes it so ambiguous, as you said, is that um, you know, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> that Trump and Clinton both lie a lot, but they lie in very different ways, right? Like Clinton, you know, lies in the way that politicians normally lie which is like for tactical calculated reasons like oh i want to appeal to this demographic so they'll vote for me etc but trump just kind of says random stuff it almost seems like kind of like how <laughs> I, I was talking about how, how he has random policies his is uh you know what he's his rhetoric kind of mirrors that i mean not only does he lie in a way that is not consistently
1: tactical but also Hillary Clinton, when she lies, there are things that at least a significant proportion of people could plausibly believe what she is saying, often just because they're ignorant and don't know what she's talking about. But Trump will lie about things that just no rational person could possibly believe. Right, like, he's claimed that when he talked about the Muslim ban, he had Muslims calling him, telling him it was a great thing. <laughs> <There's> no <laughs> one believes that happened. Or just recently when he was like, I can't believe that cop didn't go into that school. If I was there, even if I didn't have a weapon, I would have gone. And like, no one thinks that Trump would have actually done that. It's, that's implausible at the level that even people who support him know that he is obviously I, I just know. not telling the know. truth.
0: I mean, I think I saw some trump on Facebook who posted stuff like, Oh, well, one time Trump like uh, intervened in some fight in New York City or something. So clearly he would have totally. Yes,
2: I away. saw that, too. Yeah,
0: that he okay, well, was, maybe I'm not. He was in
2: his limo that. and he had his limo driver drive up during a robbery and the robber ran away. And that was like a story in like the 90s. So obviously he would have ran in where there was like an active shooter, like shooting like thousands of rounds into people.
0: He would have hit him with a chair. Uh, like... <laughs> Shaved his head,
1: but that's yeah. different. like when Hillary Clinton says, "Oh, I remember when like the helicopter was going down and the bullets were coming past me." Right? If you don't know anything about that, under you could sniper that.
2: fire in Bosnia.
1: But the Trump, yeah, I mean, maybe okay. Maybe there is a small group of people who believe the ridiculous things that Trump says, but it's yeah. a very small number of people. Yeah. Hopefully, Russian trolls. Well, well, I don't know. Hopefully, maybe it would be a good thing. If he, I mean, that would imply some level of stupidity upon people, but
2: hmm, well, I mean, there's there's you know there's relative levels of things people will believe even though they should know better. So. Yeah,
1: this conversation is now taking a really weird direction. Um, gun control—that <laughs> was another thing. That that was another thing that you brought the up, Adrian. And if he does, so he he—if I am not mistaken—he did some executive action by which he's banned bump stocks, which I guess are some device that you use to turn semi-automatic guns into something that,
2: that that's right they they manipulate like an automatic they, weapon. yeah they manipulate trigger pull to have a it's higher rate of fire. It's the
0: equivalent of uh, yeah. you know how you'd go into GameStop when you were a kid and you could buy like a controller that would allow you to like press the trigger faster so you could win a game easily? It's like that except no. real.
2: Yeah.
1: But okay. Is-
0: so so there's that and that's something he actually did. And intuitively
1: that seems like it's probably a good idea to me. Now, I know that you two are uh, very libertarian, and so we'll oppose it on libertarian grounds. It's, it's okay, uh,
2: here, here's the uh, thing.
1: I, I don't, don't think it's... He recently has said things right, that sound a little scarier, but he hasn't actually done anything. and He has a, a history of saying bad policy ideas that he then does not do. Yeah,
2: but also he has done bad policies before.
0: He, yeah, I mean, he, he he's a shit-talker, but he also is on occasion a Um, (laughs) shit-doer. If I I could just say about the bump stocks. Yes, bump stocks.
2: I I don't necessarily think... I mean, first of all, bump stocks are not a useful uh, modification to a firearm unless you want to enjoy yourself um, and have the, the joy of firing full auto without buying an extremely expensive full auto weapon on the market. Uh, they're not useful for mass shootings uh they're not useful for murder in general they're very inaccurate
0: Used in a they're also relatively e-
2: easy to make too um you can easily 3d print something or do do something in a shop that would do the exact same thing uh it's not a, it's not too hard it's actually not too hard to modify a semi-automatic natively to create a machine gun. That's illegal. Okay. Uh, bump stocks are legal because they aren't very useful I- at killing people. So the bump stock, I mean,
0: here's the thing. Adrian it's coming out with the Turning deal. Point USA talking points. Oh, my God. Well,
1: if I understand correctly, the impetus behind banning the bump stock was that one was used in that a uh, Las Vegas shooting recently.
2: I do not know for sure and i'm sure. not okay. sure I mean, okay you
0: know as well as as we do of course that even if that is the case that's a very bad reason to ban something right like for example if someone was struck by lightning you know that's a tragedy and maybe you could you know decrease the number of people who are struck by lightning Damn. by uh, you know federal funding for like installing lightning rods in places so that the the lightning hits the rods instead of people but that wouldn't be a good idea right in this case it would just be a bad idea because of the uh the investment wouldn't be worth it but in the case of um banning bump stocks i think that you know the obvious case here for someone who is a libertarian is just that there should be a general presumption against banning something right and you know you can make an argument that although i am generally not sympathetic to these kind of arguments but you know if you wanted to say like okay listen you know normally, I wouldn't like to ban something but but this is just so bad we have to ban it, but it's not so bad, right like there's not even good evidence to suggest that the murder rate would be substantially decreased by the banning of bump stocks. It's literally just like a way to uh you know take advantage of historical normies right
1: well, I would say that so. It's hard – the empirical literature on gun regulations and crime is complicated and inconsistent. But it seems – it was my impression, though, is that gun regulations, which significantly hamper the number of guns in the population, seem to be pretty ineffective at decreasing actual homicide rates. But regulations which inhibit the – like gun riots in other ways – on average, and this is a very large category of regulations, but that's one of the problems is that these regulations are fairly idiosyncratic across countries, from what I can tell. Um, but on average, those do tend to have a positive effect on crime. I don't know if the bump stock... like You'd have to do a bunch of research on the bump stock in particular from what to know I've if that seen, would be one of those regulations. It seems probably. that
0: bump stocks are used in like a minuscule percentage of like violent crime. Well,
1: you have to compare... It would be a cost-benefit thing,
0: right? So that
1: this many people... Uh, are are going to be killed because of the bump stock, I and mean, this is the cost. This is the other; these are the other good uses of a bump stock, which Adrian has applied, implied. Actually, that there the basically are none. Uh, so that would seem intuitively to be something you would say in favor of not allowing people to have it.
2: What? Whoa, wait, wait, why would that be an argument against it? Or did you well, do a double? the idea is
0: that banning things is not as bad if if those things are not very useful in the first place.
2: They're useful because they're fun, and they don't actually like. I mean, here's the thing. (laughs) There probably would have been a marginal. I mean, listen, if a bump stock was used in Las Vegas, which is not clear, because that is like nothing about that has been released really. If that was true, right? I doubt, one, that there would have been too many more casualties uh, in like the 45 minute of fire uh, uh, upon the the concert, and two, that Guy didn't have been able to modify the semi-automatic to fire accurately versus inaccurately, semi-automatic or full automatic fire, which the bump
0: stock would not have allowed him to do. The argument that I've heard about this is that uh, assuming that Paddock was using a bump stock when he was shooting uh, at the, uh, what was it? What kind of concert was it? Some country music or something? <laughs> Whatever. Country music concert. <laughs> During the Day of Retribution. <laughs> was that basically, assuming he was using a bump stock, that may have actually decreased the casualties uh, because he couldn't aim properly. Now, I don't know enough about guns to know if that's at all even true. or. If uh, it's, a, like... it's absolutely true. If
2: you've ever seen, you can just look on YouTube, uh, someone firing a bump stock. The recoil is like very large and the because the the shooter does doesn't hold uh the gun as firm because there's a an attachment from the stock to the trigger that basically bumps it back and forth so it's basically impossible to hold it still enough to get a good sight picture
0: so the argument would be that if you were actually what? looking to commit a mass shooting uh, a bump stock wouldn't help you kill a lot more people but if you're just having fun fucking around at the range, a bump stock could allow you to experience the joy of automatic uh, fire.
2: God, that sounds like a fucking, like, uh, commercial. The joy. <laughs> I mean, if joy that is an accurate that,
1: depiction, uh, if Adrian's summary of the bump stock is accurate, then yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. I, I, got,
2: I would encourage you guys to watch some videos on bump stocks. It's very clearly uh, a very shaky... But uh, fun attachment.
1: So I would also say, though, that the banning of the bump stock, l- let's say it is a bad thing, uh, which it sounds like it might be. It still is not a super important gun regulation in that it is not chipping away at the basic, you know, right to have guns and the usefulness of that. Uh, so that I agree with that, yeah. this would be like a slight negative thing about Trump, I think, rather than a, a big deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously,
1: I mean, obviously,
0: is obviously yeah, worse. yeah. I don't want to
2: crucify Trump just because of the bump stock ban. I, I want to. I'm very angry that he's, for example, talking about making the background checks more stringent. Also, talking about a eroding due process when it comes to taking guns from people. And thirdly, if you guys haven't seen, he talked about. The effect that violent video games might be having. Yes,
0: on, I did see uh, that. That's another Spotify. extremely like boomerish thing.
2: Yes, yeah, so and today he talked to video game executives. Oh my fucking this. god, yeah. Yes, these are all negative things.
0: That's uh that's what we call El Atrocidad. <laughs> no, but
1: Okay, well some of those things so it's been some years since I read this, but if I remember right, improved background checks do seem to have a good effect on homicide. But like as I recollect, I mean, it's a good thing.
2: It depends on what they are, right? Moving it to 21, I don't like. But one, it doesn't affect me. And two, it might actually have good effects because older people are more mature and less likely to engage in this kind of violence, especially Well, uh, I would push back somewhat schools. against that,
1: though, in that – so we need to look at a, a very important thing whenever you're talking about a group that is more likely to commit a crime – is to look at the degree to which they are also more likely to be a victim of that crime, right? So that if 18 to 21-year-olds are more likely to commit violent crimes, but also, and I don't know if this is true, but are also much more likely to be the victims of violent crimes, then it may be that by taking their guns away, you're taking more guns away from victims than from perpetrators, depending on how the relative degree of disproportionality works out.
0: I'm not sure how that could not be the case in terms of, uh, you know, under, what is 18 to 21-year-olds being more likely to be victims of crime, right? Because just think about, um, I mean...
2: Hood. Hood niggas.
0: Yeah, yeah, hood niggas, right? Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, that is certainly the case with mental illness, which is something people talk about sometimes is stopping people with a recorded mental illness from getting guns, because they're more likely to be the perpetrators, but... The disp- they are disproportionately more likely to be perpetrators, but it is even even more true that they are disproportionately likely to be the victims of violent crime. Yes.
0: That Ryan Falk actually Sean... made a good point about that as well in terms of like how there's a long history of uh, mental illness being used politically, right? And Yeah, but th-
2: that that's actually aside side of uh, what Sean is saying because I think Sean makes something very important that I'm going to use in the future, which is that. Yeah, th- this is a good. This is a good way to think about this kind of thing, right? It's not just uh, perpetrators, it's victims, and mentally ill people are are way more likely to be victims of crime or whatever violence uh, than perpetrators. So it absolutely makes sense to protect their right to self defense, right?
0: Sure. Yes. I mean, yeah taking away guns from mentally ill uh, mentally ill is bad i mean i'm pretty zazz-pilled on this uh, yeah, well you don't
2: even have to be zazz-pilled like I, I mean yeah i i was too but, yeah but either,
1: like, either this is, this
2: is a rhetorical or, or, argument yes
1: that's yeah. I don't think i mean i don't think there's anything about the way that we currently use the notion of mental illness which would be used in an especially political way
0: uh well i mean ryan falks example was uh oh god we're gonna f- get me to argue something ryan said yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, wait, <yeah. laughs> oh, oh okay you when, don't. When if you ryan don't want to argue exactly with that then it... that's fine all right oh 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 Sensing oh right
2: dinesh D'Souza. uh would, would have been potentially mentally ill by some judges well, right. the,
0: the judge ordered him to seek psychiatric evaluation um and obviously it's yeah. because he was like a conservator um Moreover, he also yes. talked about there's like a growing movement in uh, psychiatry to label racism a mental illness.
2: Do you remember Nick used to probe his psychologist about race realism, and they always had the weird fuck? answers. That's really it. weird. Yeah, they would say like, "Oh, why? Why do you think that?" And he like <laughs> very like straightforward. It's like, "Well, wow, this is the data." They just blah blah blah. And they, they I mean to some extent I sort of like get it like that they you know they're professionals and they wanna they wanna like make progress on their client but I it it just seemed very weird that like they never really took him seriously in terms of like the data itself. They just kinda kept like dodging it and like making it about him.
1: Well I think that so I don't know about the D'Souza thing, and that sounds I, I just don't know the details of the D'Souza thing. Uh, in terms of the racism thing, so it's important to note that the way the American psychi- psychiatric and uh, counseling community works today is that a set of symptoms is not going to be classified as a mental illness unless you're causing significant harm to yourself that compels you to want to change the behavior or you break laws and that the government demands that you change the behavior. But if you are someone – I mean to take a you know, very common example, there are many people with OCD who the way psychologists use the uh, term now do not, are not mentally ill because their OCD manifests in a way that is not causing dysfunction in their life that they want to change. And I can't imagine they would change that very basic criteria of mental illness in order to call all racists mentally ill right but and and there are plausible circumstances in which like an extreme hatred of the of, of an outgroup can cause psychological dysfunction that someone might want to change uh, and there are also obviously instances in which that can lead to violent crime in which case the state might mandate it be changed
0: uh yeah so it sounds like you're kind of arguing against your own point there uh
1: well no i mean if we're talking about the subset of people that commit violent crimes due to their political views it's not obvious to me that it would be a bad idea to try to get them to calm
0: down with respect to
1: some of those political views
0: well i mean, well, you, mean can, you can, uh, argue, kind of about, you can guns, argue about you can argue about whether that would be a bad idea in itself but that's clearly related to what we were talking about right which was like politicization right of mental uh, i illness. guess it
1: means i mean it depends on how you well okay there are two things one i don't know if that's politicization or not uh, I, no, I, I maybe not in not... itself,
0: right? But it's clearly related to that, right? In that those two things would trend together. Like, you know, for example, uh, suppose that they the media starts talking a lot about, you know, a few storm fags who go around like killing black people or something. Uh, I don't know how common that is. But suppose that the media like fixates on that. And then, you know, they get defined as mentally ill and racist. And then that moves the criteria or mental illness, or maybe they wouldn't even be explicitly defined as mentally ill, but uh, by being associated with it, like somehow then the, uh, the gun laws could change even more. Now that we've conceded that mentally ill people are not allowed to own guns, maybe now people who are almost mentally ill wouldn't be allowed to own guns either, you know.
1: No, that's okay, that's two different steps, though. Yes, it is. So, so my point po- – so in a sense it would be related to politics. But my point is just that even if we did that, I don't think that it would lead to huge numbers of conservatives not being allowed to own firearms because it would only apply to the people that are actually designated as mentally ill uh, unless they – I mean if they did something broader than that. And to be clear, again, I don't even agree with doing it to mentally ill people uh, for another reason. But if it was even broader than that, then obviously that would become just increasingly, uh, increasingly problematic. So,
0: so we're in agreement, basically. I think that Dylan, Trump is bad. That uh, that Elliot Roger has an inalienable right to own oh, guns. Oh, I guess one thing to say though. No, not Elliot, Rodger, yes, and and I would Elliot Roger. Yes, Elliot Roger. Yes, Saint Roger. APA, uh autists should. i do uh, not so. allowed to own you McNukes and machine guns. I agree, but.
1: One thing, though, that, that occurs to me back. is that – I mean – so one brief other thing about the psychiatry thing is that psychiatrists are also we, – we heard a lot of stories about a year ago about them treating tons of people for being upset about Trump. Yes. Right. So there's that. Um, but also in terms of Elliot Roger, I think there would be a better case to be made if you specified particular kinds of mental illness.
2: Like, yeah, like I mean, if you're I an incel,
1: data you about this, but if someone proposed that people who have been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder should have more stringent criterion for the circumstances in which they can have guns, like that seems intuitively plausible to me. Although, as I say, you would need data on that.
0: Much more plausible. That's kind of weird, illness. right? Because generally, people who are diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, like I feel like most of the time, it's because uh, they committed a crime or something, and then like a... Uh, a that like is a often riotous, true. Yeah. yeah. Or their kids, and they're fucking so, yeah, up in school. Exactly. Um, so I don't know how much of a difference that would actually make. But I want to bring the conversation back to Blumph in general, because remember, that's what we're supposed to be talking about as a broader topic. I mean, in theory, we're supposed to be talking about many presidents. Uh, uh, no, but uh, the we've we abandoned yeah, that. Uh, we well, that part two. That's uh that's next episode. So so some other things that he's done. we talked about let's see, the, the Korean cage rattling bog rattling. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> Roho the rattling buck. Okay. Uh we talked about that. We talked about um other foreign policy stuff with regard to like Africa and Syria. We also discussed his uh I well, I don't know, did we get into his trade policy? That's that's an interesting Thing right is that he so his rhetoric yeah tariffs are bad next he, next question <laughs> well okay his rhetoric coming into the presidency right was extremely bad on trade right he was talking about uh, pulling out of NAFTA I know Adrian you might be sympathetic to pulling out of NAFTA because it's like globalist or whatever but I for one will take reductions in taxes where I can get them even if it comes with a bunch of weird like multinational. I mean, I do too. I just don't know if it actually rounds out. Okay, well, we can talk about that later. But in terms of Trump's actual policies, it seems as though when he first got into office, he wasn't closely following a lot of that rhetoric on trade, right? Because he he had that bizarre conversation with like the Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieta, where he said, like, oh, you know, we worked it out. It's great. We're not going to leave NAFTA right? That was extremely strange. Uh, so reversed on that, which was good. I liked that. But now it seems like he's starting to really get serious about the anti-trade stuff again with this uh, steel tariff. I think it was he just steel passed. And aluminum, steel and yeah. aluminum. And he also said that trade wars are good, which I don't know how much consequence that's going to have. But <laughs> Which is fucking retarded. Yes, that's obviously retarded.
1: Yeah, the, the things
0: he's choosing
1: to tariff seem strange as well because they're all like uh, raw materials, right, that are used to produce lots of final products in the United States, which intuitively would be the last thing in the world you would want to tariff. So it seems bad. Uh, hopefully he won't do much in that area, though. I, I also, I, I don't. maybe you guys can clear this up for me because uh, I don't fully understand this. So he announced recently that he wanted to do a 25% tariff on steel. And some news organizations are reporting it as if he's done that somehow, and I'm confused because my impression—can he somehow enact short-term tariffs as without I a Congress?
0: I, I believe
1: the executive branch. I does he, have he he can,
2: orders. he can, but he has not.
1: Ah, okay. So that that was unclear to me based see, on. my – See, like that's the, uh, that's another idiot. weird
0: thing, right? This reminds me of the whole like transgender in the military thing. That was just something Trump bizarrely like tweeted. No no training <laughs> in the military and then like yeah. okay is this a law right like i even remember there were reports <laughs> of, yeah there were reports of like military people saying uh okay i don't know what to do now is this the policy like <laughs> oh my god because trump has the authority i, I think this is the case he both, definitely does with both yes. tariffs and that he can do that this might even be an interesting thing where we're seeing a new paradigm here right because i'm assuming i don't know a lot about this but i'm assuming that traditionally for a president to use executive authority to affect policy they would do it through whatever the formal channels that are set up are but you know given that it really is at his executive discretion i think he can kind of just say something and then have his like underlings will will interpret you know, his, his boomer posting, his doctrine, they'll interpret his boomer posting and they'll, they'll make policy based on that. Right. Because they have the authority to act as though, uh, you know, the president was saying something. I think, I don't think the president needs to like sign a tariff. I think his office. Can do uh,
2: it. Yeah, that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. He's in the last week, he's gone in a bad direction in terms of trade. And guns. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully this is just a bad week or two, and it'll turn around.
0: See, as far as uh, before that, though, I would say oh. Trump certainly didn't live up to the expectations of a lot of libertarians who were supporting him. Although I think that in in general he's probably a modestly good president in terms of like that standard I was talking about before. He was probably better than. Hillary Clinton in some important ways, although, again, there is also the potential for him to be worse than Clinton in some dramatic ways. Which have not been realized. Yes, which have not been realized.
1: And there were possibilities of Clinton being dramatically worse.
0: Yes, but let's so, not equivocate here. Like, Trump is the higher variance candidate. Can we agree to that?
1: Like, there's a sense in which that is true, but it is also important to distinguish between things that Trump in office has suggested are on the table and things that hillary clinton just said she was going to do
0: yeah i I guess we have to use a little bit of big brain bayesian reasoning here in, in terms of like what is the chance that the u.s would have actually gone to war with russia and and we we can assume the probability is a bit higher given that clinton would would say like oh i'm gonna do the no fly zone but i i feel like a lot of times Stuff like that doesn't actually materialize. Uh because you know, Clinton, as I was talking about before, knows what she's doing in terms of lying both on the campaign trail and in terms of just lying to the public regularly. Whereas Trump, I feel like, is literally just an insane guy who <laughs> if he lies, it's just like well, not insane, but a normie, basically. Normies are crazy.
1: Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't really I just don't think we have a good sense. Of either probabilities because we compare the probability – how much the probability of going to Russia is raised by having Clinton in office versus Trump and how much the probability of going to war with North Korea is raised by Trump being in office as opposed to Hillary Clinton and then weight that by the difference in badness between going to war with Russia and going to war with North Korea, which are very different. You're not even accounting Uh, for though the
0: the probability that we would go to (laughs) war with Russia under Trump. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, we could do this. Yeah. Okay. This would be. So this is my point. This would be very complicated,
1: and it's not. And we couldn't actually do it. And if we did do it, it's not clear to me who would actually look worse.
0: In terms of like the mean, I think that if we're just talking about well, well, whether we're talking about foreign policy alone or just policy in general, I think the the mean would would find. Uh, no,
1: I'm talking about foreign policy specific. Okay, in terms sure. of
0: like just general policy, and I think it's
1: very clear that Trump sure, is better sure, than Trump. Sure,
0: sure. Been. But yeah, in terms of foreign yeah. policy, I think that the mean would find Trump better than Clinton because Trump is was relatively good for a Republican on foreign policy, and and for a Democrat, obviously too. I think that we should acknowledge that Trump does have a higher variance. That's just my point. Yeah,
1: but that doesn't necessarily mean that the really bad outcomes are more probable with him. It depends on how, I mean, if we're, if we're conceptualizing it this way, it depends on the distance between the means.
0: Okay, so and the
1: size of the difference
0: in variance. Now we're getting into like statistical. But also, I'm curious as if
1: you would say if this is a uh, <laughs> if this is a symmetrical distribution, would you say that Trump is also more likely to do really really good things in the way that he's more likely to do really really bad things? Uh, now I, I think everyone would have said that going into the Trump administration, but a year and whatever into it, would you? do you think that's true? More likely than Clinton, yes. I don't... It, it's very... Hard. What would be the really good thing Trump would do? Like,
0: uh, one. I guess just taking a bunch of stuff out of various parts of the world? I mean, I, I, I would say, though, that it's not symmetrical in terms of, like, I think that Trump probably is more likely to do really bad things than to do really good things.
1: Yes. I guess the same is true of Clinton. Neither distribution would really look
0: symmetrical. Hey guys, this is Chucky R. Law. Sorry to cut this off so abruptly, but we're out of time for today. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to try to make this a bi-weekly thing. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, and hopefully we'll also have this on iTunes soon. If you want to send us an email to be read on the show, we're at at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Shit.